This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Take your Bible, and I want you to find two passages, Matthew chapter 28 and Acts chapter 1. I know those are very, very familiar missions passages, and that's where we're going to start our journey this week, and we just want to see what God says about missions. I don't know about you, but I do know about me, and my philosophy over the last several years has been this. I don't know how much time God is going to give me uh, for the rest of my life, but I don't want to waste my time doing things that God does not smile on. I, I am, I'm weary of our generation who are wholesale throwing away things simply because they're not new. I would suggest to you that in this 21st century, I, I want to be a 21st century man, a 21st century church. I just want to do it like they did it in the first century. And what I want to do is, is try to encourage you tonight with what you're doing in the matter of missions is exactly what God instituted in the first century of these churches. And I think it'll be a help to you and an encouragement. All right, you've stood long enough. Sit down because I'm going to read the scripture and talk for oh, a long time. No, a while. All right, let's begin. You've got, you've got both passages, and in Matthew chapter 28, I know these are very, very familiar passages, Matthew 28 records for us what we often call uh, one of the places of the Great Commission. Here it is, starting in verse 19, "'Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.'" teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. When we read that passage, understand this. That is the commission given to the local church, not just a group of disciples who have gathered on a hillside, but given to the local church. I know that your theme is witnesses for Christ. And I want you to understand that as members of this church, as believers, it is indeed our responsibility to take the gospel message to our neighbors, to those we work with, to our family, and yes, as we're going to see in just a moment, all the way across this globe. Now God's very specific in this, and he says in verse 19, I want you to teach all nations. Now, without trying to unpack this a whole lot, what he is saying to us is he wants us to preach the gospel, speak the gospel, communicate the gospel so as to take lost men and see them converted to believers, to give them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only are we to do that, uh, but we are then to see them baptized. Uh, baptism is simply identifying uh, that new believer with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only are we to teach them the gospel and baptize them, but then we are to spend significant time teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. 
I would suggest to you that requires a church. Because over a lifetime of training an individual and training a family, teaching them to observe all the things that God commanded us is going to require a church. So God says, hey believer at Good News Baptist Church, I want you to understand that I'm commissioning you as a member of this church that I want you to make disciples. I want you to see those uh, disciples baptized and identify uh, with me. And then I want you to teach them everything I have taught you. Teach them to observe those things. Well, the second question then is this. Not only what did God commission us as the church to do, where is that to take place? And that's when we go up to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And, familiar verse, Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both. An important word. Both carries with it the thought that while we are witnessing to our neighbor, while we are witnessing to those we work with and doing the work of the gospel in our local church, in the place where we reside, we are also to be engaged in the gospel work, not only where we are in Jerusalem, but in all Judea and in Samaria, and oh, by the way, unto the uttermost part of the earth. Hey, that's a big job. You and I are to be involved with leading people to Christ, preaching the truth of Christ to people. We are to be making disciples, baptizing disciples, teaching them and discipling them, and we are to do it in our Jerusalem and and a little bit further out to our Judea and further out to Samaria and all, by the way, to the uttermost part of the earth. And by the way, that's not a suggestion. It's a commission. It's a command. We're to be involved in that. Well, here's a question. How do you get that done? How in the world do you get a commission like that? How do we see that accomplished? And I would suggest to you that's what I want to spend a few minutes on tonight. How is it that we are to accomplish that great mission that God has given to us? And God does give us the answer. Let's pray and ask for his blessing. Now, Father, we ask you to guide us in these few moments and teach us truth, help us to see truth, and Lord, impress on our hearts not only our responsibility, but that you have provided a way for it to be done and demonstrated it to us. We pray for your guidance. Holy Spirit, I can make physical ears here, but I can't speak to hearts. And so I pray that you would do that in Jesus' name, amen. To understand missions in the New Testament, I think it devolves into understanding one word, one Greek word, if you will. You say, are you a Greek scholar? I am not. Uh, Forty years ago, I took two full years of Greek, so I am an expert. No, I'm not. But I do own a Strong's Concordance, and it makes me incredibly dangerous, all right? There is one Greek word that I think if we will understand it and follow its use through the New Testament, we will grasp what God would have us to do. The Greek word, for the sake of writing it down, is 
propimpo. It's not even a pretty Greek word. P-R-O, P-E-M-P-O. If you were to look, it is translated a number of times in the New Testament. It's translated brought, being brought, bring forth, accompanied, supported, conducted. It has the thought of taking this from this place and getting it to this place. Fair says that it means to outfit or to fit out for a journey. I think it has three applications in the New Testament. I think I can show you that it has to do with monetary financial things. Let's understand something at the outset of this conference or my part in this conference. God is not afraid to discuss giving and money. Now, I think it has been abused in the past by a lot of preachers and a lot of churches. But because others have abused it, it does not allow us to ignore it. And so when I talk about giving and money tonight, I'm talking about giving to missions. And let me tell you what the wonderful truth about giving to missions is. None of it stays here. It doesn't pay a salary, it doesn't buy a book, it doesn't turn the lights on. It is for getting the gospel to a lost world. Not only does it discuss financial support, but it also has to deal with prayer support. Please understand this. I don't care what this church or another church gives, money will never do the work of the gospel alone. It is only as God's Spirit empowers His Word and His servants as they are then supported to get to that place, then the gospel message can work and do its work. Not only prayer support, but then a third that I will mention. We have a responsibility to support or conduct or send forth people with emotional support. Follow along. Have you ever heard of a sword drill? We're going to do a sword drill tonight. So get ready with your Bible and turn when I say turn. I want you to notice in Acts chapter 15, and let's establish the thought of the word. Acts chapter 15, and I want you to notice in verse 1. Acts 15, verse 1, and we're talking about our word propimpo. Notice it in verse 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Well, that's a lie, isn't it? That's not true. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they, the church at Antioch, determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way, there's our word, propimpo, and being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenice and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. Let's unpack it just a little bit. Here's the situation. 
Paul and Barnabas are preaching and seeing great results in evangelism. People are getting saved. And a troop of Judaizers who have appointed themselves enemies of the gospel come along and they take those converts and they say, hey, we know what Paul and Barnabas preached to you, but that's not enough. It's not enough to believe in the, uh, the substitutionary work of Jesus on the cross. And, and we know that your hearts meant what you said, but hey, you've got to add something to that message of grace. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to follow some of the law to really be saved. And of course, Paul and Barnabas uh, certainly disagreed with that. And they went to the church, and the church talked about it, and the church made a decision. We want to settle this right now. And so we don't want to just assume that we know everything. And so we want to confer with James and Peter and others that are in Jerusalem to make sure that we think like they think, they're thinking like we think, so we can settle this. Now, we can't all leave Antioch. We've got important work to do here. We can't all leave this place and go up there. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to deputize you, Paul and Barnabas, to go in our place. And we want you to go up to Jerusalem, present the information, and then you come back and tell us. Now, since we're deputizing you to go in our place, it's only fair, it's only right that we brought you on your way. How clear is that? The church is saying, we want you to do a work for us And so we're going to, I don't know, buy you sandals. We might provide saddlebags and food in the saddlebags. We may provide some script of coin so that you'll have to stay in an inn. You've got it covered. But we understand since we're sending you by our choice to accomplish what we need accomplished, we will bring you on your way. (laughs) Here these missionary families have gathered here. Do you know why they've gathered here? Yeah, they're missionaries. They just want money. You know, I've never met a wealthy missionary yet. You know why they're here? Because God has put a burden on their heart. And you know why they're here? Because God has put a commission on our lives. And he has said, you are responsible to preach the gospel in that Hampton Regional Jail. You are responsible to preach the gospel. I can't pronounce that city, but it's in Washington. You are responsible to go to Australia. You are responsible to go to Papua New Guinea and the other places that are represented. And God is saying, listen, you've got, that's your commission. That's your commission. And I've called these people and they can go, but it's your commission. And so they come to this place and they say, here's the burden that God has put on my heart. God wants me to go to to the jail. And we say, well, we can't go to the jail, but we've got a responsibility to reach them. And so we will propimpo you. We will provide for you. So, hey, here's an idea. We'll deputize you. These folks are here on deputation. 
because we are deputizing them to go in our place to do what is our responsibility, but we cannot go do of ourselves. Notice with me, go up, if you will, to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. I love this. Romans chapter 15, look at verse 22. There it says, for which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. But now, having no more place in these parts, having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. For I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you. If first I may be somewhat filled with your company. Let me unpack it. The Apostle Paul is completing a ministry where he is and he has a strong desire to go and be an encouragement to the believers in Rome, the capital of the Roman Empire. Wow, what a place he thinks that I could have an impact. But he also knows that God is, he believes God has laid on his heart to go preach the gospel to Spain. Nobody's gone to Spain, as far as he knows. And so he says to the church at Rome, I'm going to come to Rome. And while I'm there in Rome, I want to share with you. I want to impart spiritual things to you. But please understand this, I'm coming to you with another motive as well. While I'm there, I want you to propimpo me. I want you to provide for my journey because I've got to get to Spain because the gospel is not being preached in Spain. How audacious, Paul. You just walk up to a church in a letter and ask for money? Yeah, because it takes sandals and food and stays in the inn to get to Spain. And yeah, the church has been commissioned to take the gospel to Spain. And yeah, Paul is willing to go, but the church is responsible to help him get there. So often we have in our minds this little sanitized picture that all the apostle Paul ever did was go to a city and make tents. And he would sell a tent and, and minister. Hey, when it was necessary, Paul made tents. And when it was necessary, Paul paid his own way by the labor of his own hands. But please don't think that's how most of the time he ministered. I can take you and show you a giving church in Philippi, others in Macedonia. I can show you church after church that gave to the apostles' ministry so that he had the freedom to preach where he was. I'm simply saying that it is God's methodology for churches who have the responsibility to support missionaries who have the burden on their heart to go to these places. Hey, I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged that what we're doing this week is exactly what they did to, uh, in the first century. Amen. I'm encouraged by that. Amen. I don't think we need something new. I think we maybe need a revival of the old. 
Hey, one more on this. Turn with me very quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I love this. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Notice with me in verse 5. Paul speaking again. Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. There it is. Corinth Church, I'm coming to you, and I want to impart to you a spiritual blessing, but understand, I'm going to ask you while I'm there, will you provide for me so I can go where? Well, whithersoever God. Hey, is there a missionary in here that goes on deputation now and says, hey, don't know where I'm going, just need support. (laughs) Yeah, we don't quite have Paul's moxie there. Paul wasn't sure what God was going to do with him, but Paul's life was surrendered to do whatever God did with him. And he says to this church, I'm coming, not sure where God is going to send me, but I'm going to need help getting there, and I'm going to ask for you to propimpo, to bring me on my journey. Follow it. Verse 7, For I will not see you now, by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit, but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. Now, if Timotheus come, See that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but, here it is again, conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. Hey, you know what the Apostle Paul's saying? I need Timothy's help. And Timothy's going to need help getting here. And when he comes through Corinth, I'm asking you, will you also support him? Will you also provide for his journey so that he can get to me and be a help to me in the ministry? All I'm saying is this, that the Bible methodology for a missionary getting to where God wants them to get, to preach the gospel, has this truth, that the church is responsible for the commission. God singles out people to send to those places and it is attendant upon the church to have meetings like this to challenge one another to give so that we may support people to go do what is our job to do in that place. We deputize them to go. I wish dollar bills solved the world's problem, don't you? I wish all it ever took was money because I want to tell you, as much trouble as we're in America, we're still the wealthiest country the world's ever known. And if all we had to do was throw a dollar bill at it, why, we could just make a trillion dollar coin and say, give this to missions. Never mind. (laughs) But it takes more than money and God tells us that. I want you to notice with me in Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. And let's begin reading in verse 1. And it came to pass that after we were gotten from them and had launched, we came with a straight course unto Coos, and the day following unto Rhodes, and from thence unto Patera. And finding a ship sailing over unto Phoenicia, we went aboard and set forth. 
Now, I, want you, I just want to make a comment, and then I'm going to read some more. The ticket has been bought. Paul is already on the journey. He has what he needs to make this journey. But now in verse 3. Now, when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria, landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unlaid her burden. And finding disciples there, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. And when he had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way, and they all brought us, there's our word, propimpo, they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city and we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. Now stay with me. The ticket is bought. They're already on the journey. They just stopped here to unload and to load some more things on the ship. And during that process, Paul looks out this group of believers and he spends time with this group of believers. And while they're with this group of believers, one of the elders stands up and says, Paul, hey, I want you to know that I have deep concern about you going and finishing this journey to Jerusalem because I see great danger there for you in Jerusalem. And and of course, Paul is not going to be dissuaded because he knows and believes it is the will of God that he goes. But I want you to notice what this group of believers did. When it was time to go back to the ship and to finish the journey, they all, with Paul, they all go down to the shore. And there on the shore, on their faces before God, they pray over this man. Why did they pray over him? Because they knew in their hearts he was facing things that were dangerous. He was facing the unknown. He was facing things that he was going to have to have the help of the Holy Spirit to deal with. And would you please understand this, that when we send these missionaries out, I don't care how much Bible college training they've got. I don't care how much mission board training they've got. They are going to places and facing things they have never faced before and no amount of dollar bills will stop Satan in his tracks. It is only the power of God that will stop Satan. And they're going to go to a place and learn a language. I'm, I'm, I struggle with English. How would you go learn a language? They're going to a culture where they don't understand the culture. They're going to a culture where they're going to put their children in that culture. He faces things in that jail. They face things in in, in New Guinea. They face things that others don't face. And I'm just simply saying this. The church has not dispatched her responsibility when we write a check. We must pray. And I want to tell you, it's easier to give money than it is to pray. And yet the members of this church, we have been commissioned. And yes, we are to give sacrificially so they can go. But I want to tell you, we're to remember their names and we are to pray for their ministries. We are to know their needs. Hey, we make them write prayer letters. We ought to read them and pray over them. Because it is only prayer 
that will take a man like Paul and let him face what he's going to face in that arrest and in that dangerous journey from Jerusalem to Rome and then in those years in prison, how do you do that even if you're fully supported? How do you do that if somebody is not calling your name out to God and begging God to give you wisdom and direction and grace and courage and strength. And I say to you, church, the method that God has to win a lost world, yes, we are to gather and give sacrificially so we can send them on their way. But oh my, when we send them, we are not to forget them because we are the prayer warriors who hold the ropes and literally intercede for them day in, day out and for their families. Let me give you one last one. Notice, just drop back a chapter to Acts chapter 20 and verse 33. We'll begin reading in verse 33. I have coveted no man's silver, Paul said, or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I've showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him. There's our word, propimpo. They accompanied him unto the ship. Let me unpack it. The ticket is bought. He's getting on the ship. Not only is the ticket bought, we saw them pray. The prayer has been made. And then they do something that I think is very significant. As a body, as a church, they walk with him. They just walk with him down to the dock, down to the harbor, and the Bible just says they walked down and accompanied him. In my mind's eye, I see Paul getting on that boat. Not a big ship, a boat. I see the captain having all the lading done, maybe hoisting a sail and beginning to just edge out of that harbor. And I see that church, 25, 30 people, maybe more, just standing there. I see that boat get outside the harbor and, and making its way to the horizon. And in my mind's eye, I see Paul there at the rail of that ship looking back at those people and those people looking at Paul. And then that boat slips over the horizon. And as far as we know, they saw his face no more. I'll tell you what that says to me that there is a responsibility beyond giving and a responsibility beyond praying. There is a responsibility of supporting emotionally these people we send. We're sending people with little babies to very dark places in this world. 
We're sending these young families to places where grandmas and grandpas are not. I'm not saying they can't go there. I'm just telling you most days they'll wake up without any support system. I think of a young mother that I know, thinking of, that's raising her children in deep and dark jungles in Africa. And I think of her children having a birthday party. I've got seven grandchildren and, and you would think that, I don't know what you'd think, but I want to tell you, my grandkids have nice birthdays. <laughs> Mamaw sees to that. I mean, when they were little, we Chuck E. Cheesed it. That's how carnal we are. And, and now we, we just, man, it's just a big day when they have a birthday. It's a big day for Thanksgiving. It's a big day for Christmas. And, and I, I'm not trying to be morose. I'm not trying to be a downer. But I think of those little kids waking up. And maybe there's a phone call from Grandma. Maybe there's a FaceTime. Maybe there's a Skype. And I think to myself, that mom over there in that place has as much love and hope and dream for her children as we do back here. And how important and how, how blessed would it be if people in this church just remembered those kids' names and remembered their birthdays and sent an email and said, hey, I know it's Susie's birthday. I bet she's a little princess today. You ever felt alone, just really alone? And, and I wonder what it would do in the heart of a young man who's taken his family to this place in missions and he's doing the best that he knows to do. And, and I'm sure there are moments when it, when it occurs to him, does anybody even know I'm here? When the power's been out for 12 hours or 12 days, when they're when they're concerned about the government, when they're concerned about sickness and disease, when, when all that they've worked for can go up in a minute and, and he just wonders, does anybody know I'm here? Does anybody care? And what a tremendous encouragement it would be just to get an email. Man, well, I don't know if I can send a car... We've all probably got computers in our house. God bless you. If you don't, you're the only smart one in the room. How easy it is. I have men all the time, old men. They'll come to me and they'll say, well, there's nothing for me to do down at church anymore. Well, bless your heart, you poor little thing. Get you some email addresses and tell somebody you're praying for them, you think about them, you read their prayer letter, you're excited for that guy that got saved, and you're praying for that issue that he's got, and God just might light up a heart through your ministry. But you know what we're good at? We're good at writing checks. Dropping them in a plate. Enjoying the conference. Seeing that little girl pull that hat down over her eyes, that got me. I like that. I don't know what that soldier was doing, but he got my attention when he dropped to the ground. And I'm going to find that little girl with that pizza as soon as this service is over. And we think that's our mission's responsibility. 
church, nothing could be further from the truth. I want God to grip our hearts and give sacrificially. But I also want us to remember that we are the prayer warriors. We are the intercessors. We are the ones who pray God's power and protection and provision on these people. We sent them there. And then we got to remember them. And man, it might be the simplest thing of just standing there. And I think what Paul was reading in those people's eyes was, Paul, you're dropping out of our sight, but not out of our hearts. We will not forget you. And these young families need to know they are remembered and loved. So church, you want to do it how they did it back then? Give sacrificially. And let's send these young families, old families, families to do what God's called them to do because it's our job. And let's pray for them. And let's remember that it is not enough to give and to pray. Let's encourage them. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for these few minutes you've given us tonight. And you've made it so plain in the scripture how we ought to go about this thing. We don't, we don't need a new plan. We don't need a 2021 plan of missions. We need a revival of what you did in the first century. You commissioned the church and you called people and you put them together and the church supported deputized people to go where it was the church's responsibility to go. And the church prayed for those people because that early church, they understood that, man, it wasn't a slick program or a glib presentation. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that broke the chains and broke those darkened eyes and made them able to see. And they prayed. And they remembered to encourage, to do what they could to encourage So, Father, there's no doubt in a church like this, these are giving people. I get that. And we absolutely love this week. But for those who are not giving, would you touch their heart about the need? And, Lord, where we have satisfied ourselves with writing a check, but we really don't think about it again until the next missions conference, would you convict our heart about having a regular time of prayer? for these missionaries. And God, we get so self-focused. Would you convict us about remembering people who are in hard places, doing hard things, and it's so easy for them to feel alone and isolated, and a simple act of kindness from us could break that? and just be a great blessing. So Father, in these moments of invitation, would you work in our hearts and where you have seen us as needing to do more, speak to us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and God's Word has had an impact on your life, as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.